Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, everybody. This is AJ Vaden here. I'm the CEO, co-founders at Brand Builders Group, but also one of the awesome hosts of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Of course, that's slightly biased as I talk about myself, but I'm really so excited for you guys to meet my friend Casey Clark today. He is so awesome. He and I are newer friends, but we're in a a little two-person mastermind. (laughs) We're going to be meeting every month together. And I am so grateful that he was kind enough to entertain being on the show today, but just a little bit of background so you know who he is, because you're going to get to know him and his business really well over the next 30 to 45 minutes. But I even learned some really cool stuff I did not know, but Casey came from a franchise background. And when you left the franchise business, I didn't even know this, but you had more than 90 different franchise owners. I had no idea. That's like a really massive accomplishment. But what I mostly know about is what Casey is doing now. I mean, he owns a company called Cultivate Advisors, and it's one of the largest small business coaching firms in North America. And so that's a huge part of what we're going to be talking about. And then Just in 2020, he was ranked within the top 800 fastest growing companies on the Inc. 5000 list. And that is no easy feat. And so we're going to talk a lot about how you did that. And a huge part of our audience are people who identify as coaches or trainers or consultants or speakers, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. So welcome. Uh, AJ, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, it's going to be so fun. Okay, so to give everyone just a little bit of background, tell them, how did you get started in the world of small business coaching? Well, it goes back to you know those franchising days. We were training first-time business owners how to scale a business, and it was in the home service space. So it wasn't as exciting of a space, right? But it was one of those businesses that allowed you to spend more time learning how to run and grow a business versus necessarily how to be amazing at the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so through that period, I kept starting up more franchisees. I kept going through that cycle. And I started seeing these patterns. I started seeing how people got stuck and where people would find these gaps. And I went, I wonder if this is the same in the outside market if I were to go across you know, hundreds of industries. And so you know, started doing some research, started to kind of get into the coaching and advising space. And Within a few years, it was very clear that what I had experienced was very similar to where most entrepreneurs were, you know, that stopgap where they get on that treadmill or they lose control if it's growing too fast, you know, et cetera. So that's kind of what got us into it. I got addicted to this idea of being able to help small business owners kind of take back their life per se and start to control growth. And that's kind of what Cultivate was built on. Oh, that's so good. So I'm so curious, what was the industry for the home services business? Painting, painting industry. So I have a huge past life as a consultant and I did tons of work with IFA. So I've got tons of franchise clients, but I know IFA. I was certified with IFA. Oh yeah. (laughs) I've been panelists at their conferences in the past, you know, all that stuff. So awesome. Okay. So you get started in this. Now, how long ago was it that you started Cultivate? 
We founded at the end of 2013. We didn't do any revenue till 2014. My co-founder was the one that kind of went full-time. We have a fun story where he just called me one day and said, you know that idea we talked about, we set up a, you know, an LLC for? I quit my job today. I'm going to start doing this full-time. I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And so I still had my other business. I was still working on that exit and you know working on that. So it took me about two years. So I was part-time. He was full-time for the first two years. I joined full-time really at the start of 2016. So, okay, so like, I think what does that make that now? Five, six years, maybe. I mean, that, but that's pretty significant to, and I, we're going to get to this, but to go from 2016 to what we we'll call it first quarter of 2022, like, yeah. that's pretty phenomenal growth in a really short amount of time. So do we're you mind moving. telling the audience like, how much are you guys doing in revenue? You don't have to give us like to the cent. But no, like- you're you're all right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're all right. We'll probably do, you know, just shy of about 16 million or just over this year. And we've got about 126 employees. So yeah, five years. It's, been, it's been a quick runway. So five years. <laughs> so. And I think that's really important because I know so many of the people that we talk to and that we work with, they have the dreams of building and scaling something that's beyond them delivering yeah. coaching services. And you guys have done something extraordinary in a really short amount of time. So some of these questions that I have prepared are because I want to know. Get some dirt, get some ways to, to copy. I love it. R&D, Rob and Duplicate. So that's pretty phenomenal growth in five years, right? And from okay. somebody who also has been a part of building and growing an eight-figure coaching business, like yep. that's not easy. So I want to know, it's like, how did you guys do it? Like, how has it grown? <laughs> how like, long how do we have? AJ, how long do we have? Uh, back to the beginning. No, I think I can distill it down to a few things. I think one is the quality of the output, right? What goes into that? It's we're really specific who our advisors are. They're only past business owners that have seen success. We're very, very strict on that. We're not the license or the franchise. I don't think you should franchise this industry. Licensing, you can get away with. And if you set up the right structures. But you know, I think for us, we really saw this vision to say, we're going to create an employee model for advisors, let them feel like internal entrepreneurs within our brand. And how we're going to approach is we're only going to bring in folks that have walk the walk before. You know, I read a stat the other day that, you know, it's $11 billion industry. This coaching industry is the average business is like 156,000 in revenue. That's almost half what my average advisor does a year in revenue. Right. So it was just a quality play that we took out, say, we're only going to bring these folks. I think that was step one. And just this relentlessness to measure the customer's experience and not just measure, are they happy? You know, they give us a good net promoter score, a good, you know, satisfaction score, But more importantly, we started tracking really early on how many businesses are growing double-digit revenue and growing double-digit profit that we're working with. And because we were niched in and we had that focus, it allowed us to prioritize. I think the third thing that really stood out, and I don't always agree with this, but it's just what worked for us. We kind of hit the marketplace at the right time. What we saw was that we did not need to be industry experts. We could be industry agnostic. And what we needed to do is fuel growth. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that a lot of business coaches had niched into, I'm going to help you with your sales, or I'm going to help you with this or this part of it. And that's great. I mean, there's no discredit to that. We just really saw the models that there's nobody out there as a generalist that will even go bring those people in on their behalf and truly meet them as a business partner. So I think a lot about how our model got created is that's also why we've scaled so quick. When you bring on talented entrepreneurs already that have ran a business, you go, you need to go find 10 or 15 businesses to work with. It's not that hard for them to do that. And we can start to scale very quickly as we built the model. So those are some of the nuances that I think help kind of scale. At the end of the day, just chalk it up to a lot of hard work and a lot of really good, talented people that are smarter than me. 
Yeah. That's how we kind of got That's over the line. We should always be the dumbest person in the room. That is <laughs> try to be, try to be. Always trying to be. So I think there's something that is really unique about what you said, and it's this concept of building it in an employee-based model, because I think Mm. that's pretty contradictory (laughs) in most of the consultant coach world. Sure. And so why did you go that way? Well, I don't know if it's the easy way. I think it's the hard way. It's harder to get off the ground, but if you get off the ground, I think it's way easier than the second tier scale, right? Like a lot of our growth has happened in the last three years. We're exploding and we're set up to continue this really, really fast scale, really because we're able to control the levers of growth because we're all employees. We're all you know guided towards the same North Star that we're driving towards and it just starts to get this engine that you can't turn off. What I find when you're in the the non-employee model, which again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? We've got tons of clients in our portfolio that have built license or contractor programs. You just lose this element of quality and you lose this element of control. And I shouldn't say you lose it. It's just harder to hold it is probably the better way for me to frame that. It's harder to hold that element of control for scale because at the end of the day, you can't tell somebody what they have to hit, and what they have to go achieve. You're only going to go as far as the tenacity or drive of the individual yeah. and the other side of that agreement, right? And you won't get their full-time endeavor. And so what really, I'll talk about what I think holds people back from this, it's money. Like yeah. really what I find people in this industry, why they stay away from this is the cash side of it. Yeah. And we were in the same boat. We just said, you know what? Go bring on three. And we got to make sure they're all successful. And then we took all the margin and earnings from that. Now we're going to go bring on six. You know, this year, we just started 15 in one class. We'll bring on 30 this year, 35 this year. Next year, we'll probably bring on 40 to 50 advisors, right? Just keep taking the earnings. And then you can afford to bring on more people because we really don't break even on an advisor for almost 11 months. So it's a long-term strategy that we're playing for, a long-term growth where there's no short-termness about it. Yeah, I love it though. I think one of the things that I love so much is it does give you that ability to create a more standard experience because yes. they are employees, right? I think that's one of the hardest things is creating a, it's not that it want, you want it to be you know cookie cutter, but you want to be able to set standard expectations so that every client has a somewhat similar experience, even if what they talk about is uniquely different. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like, I don't think a lot of our team members like really view like I'm an employee of Cultivate. You know, I hope they don't. I think most people within our organization are coming at it going, yeah, yeah, I hang my shingle at Cultivate, you know, but I have my own portfolio, my own book of business. We've created compensation incentives that create unlimited upside in every role in the organization. So they feel empowered. They feel that same sense of ownership, but we're able to maintain that standard. And again, our team members, you know, hit those standards easily and drive towards those standards without, you know, because the talent we hire. But that's the other thing too, right? Your talent pool totally changes when you say, I'll pay you this salary. I'll pay your benefits. I'll give you a 401k match. And I'll give you unlimited upside for revenue share based on your output. You know, transparently, after selling franchises for a long time (laughs) and then now offering money and willing to write checks, heck of a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the second part of that than it is on the first. I mean, there's a long line you get to kind of sort through to pick the right person. Now we're lucky in our industry. We haven't been affected by the great, you know, resignation and we haven't been, you know, because we hire these past entrepreneurs, it's, it's just kind of a different niche we're in. But so I don't want to be desensitive, you know, to what's going on in the world right now, but it really is compared to my experience of franchising. I find so much easier to just go, I need to 10 people. It's not gonna be that hard for me to go find 10 talented people. I just have to do some, some hard work to pull them out. So for somebody who is in this world and they're building this coaching business or consulting or training, right? And use any of those. And they're going, I just don't have the money to do that. Yeah. Right. That's somewhat of a mindset. Oh yeah. 
So what would you say to that person? Three answers. One, get a partner who has money. Now you have money. You know, don't hold the greed. Don't hold all the equity. You know, go after your mission, go after your vision, see a reality, figure out how to buy out the partner later. Option two, start on the freelance. Start on the, you know, that's what we did. Our first year and a half, the people we brought in, they were all contractors. Set percentage, you know, and just, we were really lean. We didn't overinvest in anywhere except for talent and we saved our pennies. We didn't pay ourselves very well. We intentionally held off to the best of our abilities while paying the bills. You know, we've got families and all that, but, you know, we just really focused hard. So we were double dipping. We were advising full books of businesses and our terminology, but we were also then leading a few advisors each, getting them off the ground. So we had to kind of be that player coach there for a bit, but we had the insight. We had the vision. We laid out the forecast. We knew exactly how much money we had to get to, to have the amount of money to invest. And we had ran the model to know what we had to invest to get. And then we flipped all the contractors to employee and then started to only bring in employees. And we started growing at the speed, what was cash. Now our speed of growth is limited to the number of leaders we can promote. Mm -hmm. So how fast can we get people skilled up to where we feel comfortable putting in a leadership position? That's now what holds me back in terms of the next chapter of growth yeah. of waiting for that element. So that's how I personally, you know, look at the money side is get a partner. Number two, you know, set up as a contractor first, take those earnings and bootstrap this thing up. The third, another option is just end of the day, like create an equity program out of the gates. Like, you know, your first five or 10 folks, like tie them in for being those early adopters and you do something kind of a little different where they're more of a partner. And then the next batch as you get 10 people up running full blast, putting you know deposits back in that bank, it's going to create the, the nucleus of money for you to then you know push out. Oh, I love that. That's so good. So, all right, let's say somebody buys into this. They're listening to this interview and they're like, yes, sure. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to scale unless I have more people, right? Yeah. Like we have a very finite amount of clients and time that we can all do this individually. So where sure. would you say, like, where's your go-to place for finding great talent right now? I mean, it's honestly poaching LinkedIn. It really, it really is. You know, why though? Like a lot of people just talk about it. Like I'll give you the nuances of why, you know, I can search CEO, co-founder, owner. I have the ability to search that on LinkedIn. So for that reason, I have the ability to find the right talent by putting those filters. I don't really know of any other place online that allows me to search that. I think you can search resumes on Indeed now, and there's a little bit of searchability in that. It's a different person. It's a different pool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, for us. Now, I don't think that my gut is not a lot of people necessarily for the niche or what you're trying to get into always need past entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. So if I were to talk to, you know, we've got a very large client base and portfolio. I mean, Indeed is really the number one job board still. I mean, nobody's even touching it in terms of the amount of hires and, and what you get out of it. But I would really, if I worked with any company say, how do you get going on recruiting? In a professional service environment, okay? In this type of environment, I would say three ways. LinkedIn poaching, you know, you've got to have somebody, either a recruiting firm or somebody in-house actively going out and trying to find the right people and getting them educated to where they want to apply. That's the key. Don't poach and say, would you like to have a conversation? Don't do that. Like, I just wanted to introduce you to the role. Go check it out. Have some great videos on your website. Let them apply so they feel like they're trying to earn the role. Otherwise, you turn in just a negotiation of salary and you're probably not in that situation yet. Option two, make sure you have posts all over Indeed, especially if you can work remotely anywhere. Open up your mind to talent across the country. That's just the new way of life now, everybody. We're there. All right. The whole, I'm going to hire people in my backyard, that's gone. So you're missing out on massive talent if you're going to limit yourself. Yeah. The world's changed, right? And especially in this industry, you don't need walls. You know, you can work remote. And then, you know, option three is really referrals. Like you think about your own network, you think about 
get on the phone, do the hard work, get on conversations with people you know and go, I'm looking for somebody who has this background. Who do you know that has this background? And then as you start to get your first few employees, incentivize them, have conversations with them. Like, how can I get three or four of your friends that are similar to you in this organization? What do we have to do to make that happen? And just if you start with that intentionality, you'll get out of the gates. And then once you get out of the gates, you have a following us. You know, we've got kind of an endless application pool that we get to work through now, but that's because of our size and our, our success stories, right? It didn't start that way. It's like, I remember being, you know, convincing people, I promise, like, we really do know what we're doing. It's helping small businesses grow. I remember those conversations like yesterday, you know, now it's just the story speaks for itself, but. But you know, it's, it's so true. It's like, you know, we recently just brought on five new full-time employee strategies. Sure. Um, sure. One thing about me is I take advice quickly. Once I agree with it, I'm like, I'm on it. It's like, I think we had our conversation like first week in December and it's like January, yeah. we had five full-time employees. Um, right. And so a lot of it is, but ask how you're feeling in a couple months. (laughs) That risk tolerance (laughs) been a little crazy, but you know, four out of those five, I got, I poached off of LinkedIn. Yeah. One was a personal referral Yeah, and what, and four out of five straight up just poached off of LinkedIn, but it's knowing how to navigate. Right. But it's knowing what you're looking for. Somebody told me this a lot of years ago. I can't remember who I wish I could give credit because I share this all the time. This is one of those things where it's like somebody once said, right? But you should always employ the employed, not the unemployed, yeah. right? And so it's, you know, reason why I like LinkedIn poaching is I like to take people who already have a gig, already have something going, and I've got to convince them that my gig's better. It's usually when you get the talent. There's a reason why the person's unemployed. And now that's not fair because some people might be here and go, wait, 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 I kind of got unlucky. Like, don't mean any disrespect by that, but just a general rule of thumb at scale as an owner growing a business. Hire the employed, not the unemployed. Yeah, it's such wise advice. Especially when you're first getting started. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's so good. Okay, so I love this, right? And so then, so my next question comes around, around, all right, so in order to get to the place where it's like, all right, I need to bring on more talent. I need to make this happen. You got to like have sales, right? You got to have some growth. You're going to need some revenue. (laughs) You got to have some revenue. So I would say like, what do you think other than having great talent and doing all the things, which I... Having great services, yes, that's a given, right? That's an expectation. If you're not good at what you do, you're not, you have no business scaling it anyway. You're going to lose yourself in it. Yeah. But so, what's your sales strategy? (laughs) That I have to be careful what I should know. I'm just joking. I think there's a few ways we view it. We kind of break this out. I mean, I've always believed that the fastest way to grow a business is that your number one marketing tab, I'm going to go to marketing versus sales, because I think as long as you have the leads and you offer a good value and it's the right price, you'll sell. I mean, we can get into, Sales conversion ratios, and I know you and your husband have an amazing sales background. You could, you know, teach the end of the day of how to close. Because I've grabbed my own strategies from watching certain videos in the past, and you know, I think that I look at the marketing source where most people struggle is actually how to get the leads in to then be able to sell. I think that's actually where people struggle on their route. People can learn sales. It's kind of hard to learn marketing. You can learn how to tell stories. You can learn how to set up your Facebook or LinkedIn profile. You know, these are all things you can do, but like, how do you actually build an engine of leads Mm -hmm. that's sustainable, right? So that was really what we focused on. And now what we did is we turned all of our advisors that came in, we have them also generate their own opportunities, right? So a lot of our advisors are bringing in their own personal network when they come in, they're incentivized to do so. We're really focused on a referral business. If you think about coaches, we're no different than financial advisors or insurance brokers or lawyers. How many times have you ever gone on Google and said, I want to meet a lawyer? Mm-hmm. Not very often. Most people are like, they're going to get referred, right? It's just, I call this the referral industry. You got to be referred in. You got to set yourself up to get referred in. So however you can build that engine, that's how we approach it. 
And so knowing that that's the model, knowing that's how we approached it, we just skill our advisors up unbelievably on how to build this referral model in a lot of different ways from running speaking events to partnering with different programs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I do have a full partnership team that's out, you know, working, setting up partners with people to where we come in and provide content and value to their organizations and all their, you know, business owners within their network, depending on what the business and partnership is. We focus on, you know, for a little while we ran a LinkedIn program, but that's really become saturated. You're not really going to get a lot of sales out of LinkedIn with this these days. You know, really it's always come back to the root. Can we get 40 to 50% of our clients every year from more client referrals? That means you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Right. If you can grow 50% year over year, just because one in every two clients give you a referral client, go figure that out. Ask the clients for referrals, be active, then figure out how to get the connector, what we call kind of the connector referrals, the outside influencers, people, you know, connecting and referring you, and then use your own personal network from all the business owners where you're essentially going, Hey, I want to work with you in your business or whatever, you know, your niche might be. We've really kept it simple and we just, we follow the goals, follow the KPIs and we, you we deliver. say it's simple, but for most people, they're like, wait, what did I, you say? <laughs> no, I know. I know. This is what we do every day though, right? I don't want to give away too much because this is what we sit down and help people do is like, let's figure out how to build a sustainable lead engine because that's usually the biggest, here's what I find. People either struggle between you know sales and marketing on the growth side, or they struggle on the capacity side, which I consider leadership and recruiting. Yeah. I think of like financials is in the middle, right? You got to have financials locked down. Otherwise, you can't scale. So once the financials are solved, and I don't just mean you have money, I just mean cash flow, price per widget, margin per widget, future performance, stress tests. You know, now I'm just you know sharing a bunch of random terms, but all these things are vital to be put in place. And then we just find business owners teeter totter back and forth. Like, yeah. do I need to drive the sales and marketing, or do I need to drive the leadership and recruiting? And you've got to build so an engine true. for both. And once you have it. You get this really nice, we call it the propeller. You just start taking off, you know, flying to wherever your destiny is whenever you have those two things running at the same pace. Yeah, we, it's so funny. We talk about that all the time, but it's like, if you only have one of them, that's growth, but you have to have both to have scale. You can grow Correct. on both sides, right? But you have to have both to really have scale. And I love that. And so I have two quick follow-ups on this and I'm watching the clock too, I promise. I'm not going to keep you here all day. No, all um, good. But you have this one thing, which I don't think is confidential. So uh, hopefully I'm not like... No, no, it's okay. Yeah, what is it? This concept that you have of enterprise affiliates. Okay. Right? So I think that's pretty revolutionary and not something all that common in this industry. And I don't know what report you were reading, but I was probably reading the same report just a few weeks ago talking about how the estimated market net worth of the coaching industry is about $11 billion, right? Yep. But it's estimated over the next 24 months to reach $20 billion. It's the second yeah, it's growing fastest like crazy. growing industry yes. in the world. But here's oh, yeah. the part that's crazy. It's totally unregulated right? There's no regulatory body that's governing this nope. industry. So it really does come down to who's being referred, who's most trustworthy, who's got these connections. And I think that's really substantial because that's ultimately what we do at Brain Builders Group, right? It's how do you establish a personal brand? It's how do you build your reputation? Yeah. How do you become known as the go-to person for X, Y, or Z? And so- yeah. This concept of being able to multiply this referral yeah. concept within an entire organization or association, I think yeah. is brilliant and revolutionary. And it might may seem like, duh, that's what we do. But I think for most yeah. of most of the <laughs> sure. world, like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? What is an interest? Well, you made it. Yeah, as I say, you made it sound really fancy. I don't even say those words together. The enterprise affiliate. That's I, what I, I call I, it. I, 
I'm going to steal it and go into my team for a meeting next week and go, well, it's time to talk about our enterprise affiliate program. I just call it strategic partnerships, right? This is about the idea of a one-to-many model, right? You could spend your time selling a single business owner. And I'm using in my language, you know, whatever your end user is for you, whoever's listening. And then, or I could go sell a person and create value for the individual to, for them to bring me in to as many of their clients as possible or their network or their association. And so this started back, I mean, we were one of the companies that came out of the WeWork boom. You know, WeWork went up next to my house. We got our glass box that we sat in for a few years when we got our start before we moved into other offices. And when we were going through that, you know, it was right at my fingertips. I'm just, I'm working with the community manager of this local WeWork. So just remove enterprise. Cause I think if people go after enterprise, they may fail quickly. We've got a lot of enterprise partners now, but I didn't start by going after enterprise partners. I wouldn't have got time a day, right? You have to get to a certain scale to where you can keep up with the enterprise partner. So I would share that openly so people don't get just misguided here. But think about what is enterprise for you, right? Think about who's your type of strategic partner. So this co-working space, really simple example. When we got started, this community manager, I'm talking to him going, how do I help you keep your clients here? What's your biggest issue? Oh, your business is coming for a year and then they don't renew. What if I could help you double that renewal rate? What would that do for your department? What would that do for your job, your role here as an employee? Like you do this, like, great. I want to put together an education series and I want your help to go around and get all the businesses to come meet with me. I got like 13 clients out of this one we work by just doing a couple simple little tactics of focusing on that partnership. Another example is, you know, we figured out the financial advisors, they make more money when they have assets under management, the more assets they have. So Let's go have a financial advisor introduce us to every business owner that they know, because we know we know how to make the business owner grow. As they grow, more assets under management, financial advisor wins, we win. Accountants, when they grow their book of, you know, the business that they're leading as a tax accountant, as they grow, that business grows, right? They have to bill more. It gets more complicated. Lawyers, they get to bill more the larger the business becomes. So we just started going around telling our story and going, this is the type of growth rate we're getting. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like You should probably just introduce all your clients to us. Let's figure out the right way to do that for you organically that doesn't come off as a sale and instead just pure added value. And we'll be your partner in crime. And by doing that, you know they're going to stay with you as a lawyer and accountant, and they're going to keep growing. And so there's just a pure belief in that. And we teach our advisors to do that on the individual level. And then you know my partnership team's going out and working with what you call these more enterprise levels now, where we get these massive partnerships. And then, yeah, for sure, it's helping us scale. <laughs> So. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because a huge part of our business comes from our affiliate partnerships, but all of our sure. affiliates are individuals, right? Yeah, that's so, where you got to start. Yeah, but that's where you started, right? And yeah, it makes sense that you're going, I got to go to Enterprise now. I, I think I'm getting big enough. And, and AJ, you guys have had a huge successful ride, right? So I get it. But other people just starting, I just didn't want them to hear like, yeah, I'm going to go have a conversation with Amazon. I'm like, Amazon's tough. I've had that conversation. Well, you know, it's <laughs> you know? because it's, like I left that conversation and I literally went to Rory and was like, we have to have an enterprise affiliate program. Like that was like where yeah. my head immediately went. And oh, how me, corporate like, you made it sound overnight. Yes, so <laughs> but it's like one of those things where it's like for anybody, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's your local chamber of commerce or your business no. journal or it's, you know, a national association. It's like, where can you yeah. create strategic partnerships? And one of the things I love is I think a lot of people naturally today, when they hear marketing, they automatically think of digital marketing. And there's a yeah. whole world of offline marketing that surprise still really works. It does. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, you know, look, we do digital marketing, you know, we've got marketing companies out there supporting us and helping us drive and 
and all of their different niche, you know, and they all tell me they're going to be my best lead source. They're not like client referrals is still my best lead source, but you know what? You have to look at it when you're in a professional service space. I put all of us in a professional service. Okay. okay. So that's how I just view the category of what we're at. And if you look at it, you rarely hear about a professional service scaling because of digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Now that's different than brand reputation. You need Google Yelp reviews. You need people to understand your reputation. You need success or you need an awesomely built website that yeah. does SEO rank, that does allow Google to find you. I mean, that's any business now. If you want to be relevant and you want to have a chance at growth these days, you're going to have to have a nice you know, online footprint, okay. right? But then there's this outbound, you know, digital marketing approach. HubSpot will say it's the inbound, you know, put out content, get people to follow you. I personally find that unless you're going to go at scale, it's really hard, but you need to put out content because you actually just want to help and tell your story and help, you know, towards your mission of whatever niche you're in. So use that. I view digital marketing more so as competency, as how you like help support conversion. As people meet you, it tells your story on the footprint when they're like, oh, wow, look at all these things they've published or look at all these content pieces. They're obviously an expert of what I'm trying to solve. Instead, get out, pound the pavement, get into conversations and get people to refer you in. And you know, if you pass that five to $10 million line, all right, go hire a big digital marketing firm and PR firm like I have to go do what I needed to do to get additional scale. But I pay five to six times the acquisition cost per client on the digital marketing space than I do to get a referral. <laughs> so, And that includes my employees' salaries to manage partnerships, by the yeah. way. <laughs> so it's not free, right? It isn't free. There are other costs associated. It's just that it just comes out so much cheaper than the digital marketing scale, especially now, right? All their algorithms changing. It's just more and more expensive yeah. to play in that space. It's, and, it's, and, and this industry is yeah. so busy. It is so busy. Uh, well, I think one of the things and why I wanted to pop this up is, again, it's like, I just think about all the questions that our community and our clients ask us. And a constant one is, how do I get more clients? And yeah. I'm like, well, step one, it's not going to happen from your Instagram account, most likely. <laughs> no. But probably or- where it will happen is in your local community. So let's not yeah. forget about the importance of that offline brand, that offline reputation, those offline efforts. And it's not one or the other, it's both, right? But I love to hear you just reinforcing the power of doing great work and getting good referrals, right? I think that's huge. And then (laughs) if you can build those, start small, maybe not enterprise, but those small strategic partnerships, right? It's like, if you believe in what you do enough, then go say, I'll do a free workshop. I'll do a free training. Just invite people. For sure. We give, we give all day. I mean, every single person, you know, every business owner we meet, you know, if we feel they're somewhat qualified, we'll sit down and give them two hours assessment and we'll we'll blow their mind by the time they walk out of that two hour meeting. This is the next thing I want to talk about. You think this is normal. This is not normal. So I want you to talk about, because I would say this is a part of your sales strategy. All right. Fair enough. This is a part of your sales strategy. So walk everybody through it. Like how do you acquire a customer? Sure. I, I can't go into all the detail, but I can share this. You know, what we believe is that there has to be a partnership formed for a coaching relationship to happen, right? Or a speaking relationship or whatever it is. And so often what people want to do is come, you know, have us pitch. What can we do for them? And we just refuse to do it. Our perspective is no. Every business is different. Every way we approach this is going to be slightly different. Yes, we're going to use the same type of resources, expertise, and all that to help move you, but it has to be tailored. That's just, you know, a foundation of our values. And so when we meet a business owner, we are always quick to say, you know what, let's just cut the crap. Let me sit down with you for two hours. Let me bring third party. And let me just start asking, let me just show you what we're capable of doing and how fast 
I can connect some things you probably have not connected in your own business. And that usually piques everybody's interest to go, well, now I'm curious, <laughs> right? We sit down and we're, we just bat a really high average <laughs> when we do those two-hour sessions where people go, if I had you by my side, I know I'd be going way faster. And then we have to deliver, right? People start to measure how much they're growing. We make sure they know how much they've grown since they've joined us and to reinforce it. And away we go. I mean, and that's just, we're very quick. And if we got to the end of the first two hours and they weren't blown away and, well, we'd probably give another two hours because we're confused why they're not blown away. <laughs> you know, if we really thought there was an opportunity, you know, and so we prove it, we prove it, right? We let the Google reviews speak for themselves. We let the we let what we can do for them, you know, let them experience prove it versus ever showing them a deck or explain to them how amazing we are. Because we just don't think any of that matters. We feel like there's yeah. too much noise. So good. It's like one of my favorite saying is why tell if you can show, right? It's like, yeah. Why, why, tell all day. why are we talking about this? Let me just show you. So I think for everyone listening, like here's the main takeaway that I really want you to grasp onto. It's like, if you know what you do works, if you know, it's going to change someone's life, if you know, it's going to make a difference then give as much of it away for free because people will sell themselves. Yeah, They, they will sell themselves if you can provide something that's going to help them, right? And yeah. it's like, make it so good that people are like, how do I buy this? Like, can I give you my money? Like, how do I have more of it? But fish in the right pond. That's also really important, right? Because, you know, sometimes I see people like go on Instagram or Facebook because they, like I just laughed. Sorry, I was laughing earlier when you're like, they think they're going to grow by doing this. My favorite comment when somebody says, I need to re-update my website. And I always just love going, how many people have seen your website? You know, they're like 500 in the last six months. I'm like, not your issue. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah, that's not where your time should be spent if you want to grow, if you're a solopreneur trying to scale that next chapter. But, you know, what I always think about is these folks that, you know, they'll put out the ether and go, offering free sessions. We would never do that. Notice how I said, I said, if you qualify, yep. right, we're always willing to take a quick call, but we're just going to ask you a couple questions. We know when it makes sense to work with us, when it doesn't. We ask just a couple questions, just tells us a little bit before we would then commit our time. And what we always tell people before we set up that free assessment, you better treat this as paid. Otherwise, we're not interested. Yeah, you better yeah. come ready you know, to learn. And so it's all about how you set those expectations and where you fish, meaning what type of leads are you pulling in that will you know, be your qualified type of you know, ideal client. And what's your filter, right? So I think you said you guys call it an assessment, right? Like take our- We call it an assessment. Yeah, we do a two-hour assessment to break down the business, yep. And then it's like, so we do something similar, right? It's like we offer a one-hour free brand strategy call, but you have sure. to apply. So like yeah. we actually have you go through an application. And if you don't fit, we give you a bunch of free resources and say, come back when you're ready until then. Yeah, exactly. It's not It's not the right fit. stuff. But I love, exactly. I love this concept and I don't remember if this is what you call it, but when I talk about what you do, I call these the try it before you buy it calls. What do okay. You guys, yeah. What do you call them? We call them a free advising session. I mean, you're the storyteller though, AJ, you're the one that teaches people how to manage their brand. So Listen, I'll run with the way you design your, the words. Listen, I have literally constructed <laughs> our entire team about your enterprise affiliate program. Yeah. And, I've never and, used those terms together. And your try it before you buy it program. And <laughs> I love you just turned it into a widget for yourself and put it into the business, which I, I was joking earlier, R&D, everybody listening. I mean, this is how you grow a business, right? How did I learn all this stuff? I've just robbed it from other people, <laughs> right? Just R&D, rob and duplicate. So, um, okay. Oh, that is awesome. Know. Okay. So one last question. And then one of the things that's so cool for all of you guys listening is I'm going to provide a link in the show notes 
where uh, Casey and his team are going to give you guys a chance to take this assessment. And if it's a fit, then you're going to get one of these two hour business consultations with his team, which I think is so awesome. So thank you yep. for that. I'll have the link sure. in the show notes. But my last question before we are going. All right. And I, actually, I wrote this down, right? So if there was one thing that any coach Ooh. needs to do in order to grow their business right now, current day, like present tense, what would you say is like the number one thing to do? If it's only one thing, what's the one thing they should do? Help your clients tell your success story. Love that. That's why I love you. Uh, Figure out how to do that. You'll scale. You'll grow. Oh, this has been so good. Thank you so much. So insightful. So enlightening. So many great takeaways. I love the concept of really just focus on building an employee model, building strategic partnerships, focusing on client referrals, getting away from this trendy thing of digital marketing. Not that it's not important, but there's other ways to do it. It's it's not you know, which one it's just how much of each one. Yeah. So good. Casey, thank you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. And then last but not least, if people want to connect with you directly, I know I'll put this link in the show notes, but it's connect with you directly right on LinkedIn. Yeah. Best Casey way to get, get in touch with me yep. on LinkedIn. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Casey, thank you so much. You bet AJ. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. All right, y'all. Welcome to the recap episode on my conversation with Casey Clark, one of the founders of Cultivate Advisors. And this is all about how to build and scale an enterprise coaching business, which they have done exceptionally well. And it's uh, just exploding on so many different levels. So what are we going to do in this recap episode? I'm going to talk about two or three different things that I learned from Casey that I think as a, as what I consider myself a coach, right? Of how to really build and scale your coaching business. All right. These are uh, things that I think are fascinating and I think are really important. Number one, an employee model versus contractor. It is such a temptation as an entrepreneur to go and there's so much risk involved with bringing on employees, especially in those startup years of going, there's just too much risk. So I'll contract the work out. But I think to his point, it's like, if you're really building a business and a company where you want to influence the experience more and you want to have people bought into this business, like it's their business, employee model is the way to go. And that is not the norm for most coaching practices. But when you look at the scale of cultivated advisors compared to maybe other firms around the country like that, I think that the results speak for themselves. And I love what he said. It's like, I hope they don't feel like employees. I hope they feel like partners because that's really what they are for us. And so it's building a culture where people aren't working for you. They are people working with you, right? This whole concept of two is better than one and five is better than two. One of my favorite quotes is an old African proverb that says, if you go alone, you will go fast. But if you want to go far, you need to go with others. 
and this concept of bringing people in. Uh, but with this employee model, it's like there's a win-win benefit of like they're committed. They're in. You got all their time, all their interest, all their commitment and vice versa, right? So there's this partnership mentality of like, no, we're doing this together to get everyone on the same page and to create a a unified experience and to build something together. And I just think that's abnormal, but very much worth looking into if you really want to build and scale a coaching business. So we've done it both ways. Um, So I have personally been a part of companies where we built and scaled our coaching business with contractors and now the one with doing with employees. And it is drastically different. And so you got to figure out what works and what your risk tolerance is, but knowing that you can do it that way. And perhaps that's the way to go for you. So I thought that was really insightful and not something you hear so many people talking about in this industry. Second thing is uh, not what he calls it, but what I call what he does is uh, leveraging the strategic partnerships and what I call enterprise affiliates. I just heard that wrong in my mind and made up a new term for him. But strategic partnerships is really what they are, right? But creating uh, organizational relationships where it is a one-to-many referral relationship. And I love what he said because we do a lot of digital marketing and we do trade shows and we do a lot of things. Like they're a healthy eight-figure coaching business, he said, but... I'll tell you where the majority of our business comes from, referrals, right? And it's like, what is your system for generating referrals, right? Because if you're waiting on all inbound leads or you're just banking on SEO or paid traffic, that's a long and very potentially expensive game, right? It also takes a lot of other people to make those things work. Those are a lot of assets where really to get a referral, it just takes you to do a really good job. So what is your referral system? Right. Yes. Should you have SEO? Yep. Do you need social media? Yep. Do you need content marketing? Sure you do. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm saying, do you put as much time, energy, intent, focus, resources on generating your referral system as you do all that other stuff? Because I tell you what, there's a lot of trendy conversations around digital marketing. Are you listening to as many of those conversations around human relationships and human connections of just asking for a good old-fashioned referral from the customers who actually work with you and the people who work with you and your suppliers and your vendors and your friends and your family and networking meetings and all the things, right? So referrals, like don't forget the importance of those and doing that on a one-to-one, but also one-to-many. So it's asking yourself, it's like, what organizations can I go out and serve? to create some strategic relationships with that perhaps what I do would be a benefit to the people that they serve, right? And it's finding complementary partners, right? I think these are great examples. And uh, he gave a couple of them. He goes, hey, it's like, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to talk to a financial advisory company where we have one or two people. And it's like, I'll go out and do a free workshop. And it's like, this is how I can help you build that business. Or maybe it's a local association where they need speakers and they need content. But it's like, yeah, you can promote your services uh, to our members. But it's like, what and who are those organizations and people in your local community or your virtual online community that you could create some strategic partnerships with and create a win-win relationship on a one-to-many scale. So again, just that emphasis on where do you want to put your time and energy? Because it can easily be diluted in a lot of different arenas, but I just fundamentally believe it's like, if I need a coach, I'm not going to the Google I'm not going there. I'm going to reach out to my friends, my entrepreneur friends, associations I'm a part of, masterminds, and I'm going to go, who have you used and who do you recommend? And that's word of mouth marketing. And we need as much time and intent on that 
i.e. building our reputation, shameless plug, building your personal brand as you do anything else. And so who are those people and what relationships are you nurturing to build those strategic partnerships? So great reminder, right in the gut, number two. And then number three is this concept of sample calls, of going, if you believe in what you do, then why not give some of it away for free? Like prove it, right? It's what I've been telling our team that they do at Cultivate. It's called try it before you buy it, right? You don't know if this is a fit for you. You don't believe us. So that's all right. We're happy to give you, in their case, a two-hour consultation to show you what we do so that you know if it's a fit for you. And if it's not, the two hours are yours. And if it is, then we should work together, right? And it's like, I think so many of us are afraid to give anything away for free. Why not? Like, you can find any information that you need out on the internet for free. People aren't paying for information anymore. They're paying for guidance and application. They're paying for organization of the information and application of actually the how-to, not just the what, the how-to. And it's like, I'm so much more inclined to go, all right, I'll try this for two hours and prove that it's good. Give me the confidence. Show me you can help me. I'll happily give you my money versus going, man, I don't know. I hope so. I think so. I guess I'll try it, but I don't want to sign a, you know, like a long-term, I don't want to sign my life away. Like, what do I do here? So what are you doing to help increase the confidence of your prospective buyers of making it a very easy answer? So they know what they're getting into. They're getting value up front, and it's making the sale a whole lot easier because the quality of your service sells itself. So those are three core takeaways. I thought this was such a powerful interview. It's like, if you are in the coaching industry, if you are a coach, consultant, trainer, you must listen to this episode. It is a surefire way of helping you build and scale your coaching business. So until next time, we'll catch you later on the Influential Personal Brand. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 